Well, uh, you know, what we were saying, I was thinking about that marvel of the incarnation. I mean, God is spirit. He isn't confined. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Yeah. Uh, and yet, the, the fullness of the Godhead bodily was pleased to dwell in Christ. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. He giveth not the spirit by measure to him. We can't say that. He gives spirit by measure to us. We have different gifts and so forth. Certainly the seal of the spirit is on all of us in his totality. But we have different gifts. But to him. He gave not the spirit by measure, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that's a grand, grand, grand. Well, yes, uh, we're looking at the revelation. Now, if you allow me, I'm going to go back and recapitulate some of what I didn't get said the last time I was up here. And I tell you, my forgive me for my lack of organization and uh, my distractions, and I do get distracted. I start in on a verse, and it brings up other verses, etc. So I'm going to try to. What I want to do is very quickly address this Jezebel spirit that comes out of uh, the Church of Thyatira, and it is a holdover, and it's with us today, for sure. Uh, none of these things go away until Christ comes. When he comes, he'll put an end to all of them. But I'm going to address a little bit of this, if I may. Uh, we are, I was talking to Paul and maybe some of the other brethren about this, we're in a kind of convergence of three evils. Now, this is lambology, and you can take it as you would. Uh all of these had their roots back about the beginning of the last century, uh, the early 1900s, the very late 1800s. These things really had their birth, and they were very uh, difficult to discern, if I could put it that way. Uh, in their roots, uh, the economics uh, rise out of the Communist Party. The Communist Party uh, started about that time. Karl Marx, uh, uh, that other guy? Lenin. Lenin, yes, all those guys came out about that period of time, and they started this damnable thing called communism, but it was pretty much confined to a particular area uh, for all those many years. So the economy uh, really hadn't gotten into that mess yet. Politically, uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson, he had very socialistic thinking, and I'll get to that, but he started, you remember, the League of Nations, and he was trying to get all these nations together. If we could all think the same way, this war that end all wars, World War I, wouldn't happen again. Well, you know, as uh, man devises, but but God executes. Um, so out of the political scene, the League of Nations started a lot of other things, too. I can't leave it. And socially, uh, Social Security came out of that. Uh, that whole philosophy of we 
uh, have got to be unifying our finances so that everybody is helped. You know, you take from the rich, give to the poor, and so forth. Um, I remember that I was watching a rerun of Wood of Woodrow Wilson, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, when he was signing the bill for uh, Social Security to be instituted as law, and he made this comment, this social, I'm quoting, this social security number will never be used except for the personal retirement funds of individuals. Now it's used for everything. You know, when I, when I first signed up for my benefits at the VA, they asked me for my last four, so I gave them my last four, 2215. She said, oh, we got a problem. That doesn't match what we've got. And I go, well, what in the world do you have? We've got 3952. Five nine three two. That's my phone number and my social security number. Kind of get, yeah. Five. She said we got five nine. I well said that's my social security number. So well, that's what we want. I mean that everything run by that. So the military was out and the social system was in. All right, got to get on. So this uh, uh, system has been pushed. All three of those for lo these generations till we come to this point, and now that ugly head is beginning to be fully manifest. I'm going to read you some quotes. Norway read this in my Newsmax uh, magazine. Norway has made uh, biphobic, transphobic uh, speech as illegal. Illegal, not just unacceptable, but illegal. More specifically, the penal code in Norway states that those who are guilty of, they call it hate speech, face a fine of up to one year in jail for private comments, a maximum of three years in jail for public comments. You can go to jail for criticizing homosexuality. And of course, Norway has done that kind of thing for a long time. The God of this age is really turning the minds of people away from biblical truth. The Bible is now becoming irrelevant. You know, there's a time in UK, there's a Bible in every home. Even though it wasn't read by many, nonetheless, there was a Bible in every home. But now, uh, my, who wants that book? You know, terrible. Uh, this quote is from a woman named Jane Ozan, I guess, O-Z-A-N-N-E, a prominent gay campaigner who is a member of the Church of England's General Synod, accused evangelical Christians of holding views that are, quote now, wrong, harmful, dangerous, and must be stopped, unquote. Coming out of the Anglican Church, evangelical views, they must be stopped. 
You know, we're a real threat to them. In our country, this AOC and I never remember all the rest of it, that one Muslim and I call them the hellish trinity. Uh, what do they call themselves? The, the, the squad. Yeah, they call themselves the squad. But I call them the hellish trinity. Plus Harris uh, in the uh, political realm. Uh, all of those are working to reverse the good things that came out of this last administration. Now, this last administration, uh, you know, people think we wanted to elect a Sunday school teacher, I guess, to be president of the United States so he's sweet and talk nice all the time and so forth. That was not what we wanted and that was not what we needed. We needed a president that would do the right thing. Now, for wherever right things he did, uh, they're trying to reverse them, and now Harris, uh, one of her uh, assistants, I don't know what you call them, um, anyhow, he has made the comment that uh, it was an unfortunate thing when the capital of, I'm sorry, the uh, embassy of the United States was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That was a bad thing. They'd like to reverse all of that. Uh, this, I think this AOC was the one that made the comment, I'd like to see the uh, uh, Jerusalem made the capital of the PLO. Well, you know, God doesn't like that kind of thing. He really doesn't. Pardon me. Let me get on with it. So the prince of this world, really, is out to remove all national borders so that all of us are going to, that was the idea of the League of Nations, but it didn't come down to that. So now they're trying to remove uh, national borders. You know that's working in this country. How contradictory to the scripture may I read? Deuteronomy 32 and 8. When the Most High divided the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Isn't that interesting? He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. You know, guess what? All of these anti-Semitic people, they got a, I got a message for them. Israel's going to run the world. All those Jews that they so hate, are, they're going to end up running the world. I'll get on with it. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the spiritual power, anyhow, I'll get back to this, behind this Jezebel error, it's called the mystery of iniquity by the Apostle Paul. It's the same thing. It's called now a mystery because it hadn't been totally manifest as yet. A mystery in the scripture is literally a sacred secret, something that's held by a unique group of people, and we can look at it and see that. But to the world, it's mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's a mystery to the world. We can embrace that fact. We can see God incarnate. 
in the man Christ Jesus. So uh, Paul's uh, words in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, you remember this mystery is going to prevail until such time as Christ comes and destroys it. Now, the destruction of it is recorded in Revelation 17, 1 through 7. Uh, you'll probably see that. This is the religious system in its maturity. I bet a woman sitting on a scarlet-covered beast with ten horns, uh, uh, seven heads and ten horns, and uh, uh, it's actually, uh, that's what brought the system to power. Religion is bringing the system to power. And ultimately, it'll, in that same context, hate the whore and uh, burn her, uh, uh, consume her flesh and burn her, burn her with fire. Because why? Satan wants personal worship. And he's up to now getting it second-handed. Uh, through the idolatry of the world, through the lusts of the flesh, but he wants personal worship. And he's going to get it uh, when this mystery of iniquity becomes a manifestation of iniquity, when he takes his power. And uh, I should get into this, I suppose, quickly. i got to go back and get the birth of this thing so I can get it all together. The mystery of iniquity was really prophesied in Genesis 3.15, and you all remember that verse. Uh, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent is going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. That's not a mortal death. It addressed the cross, but out of that, uh, Satan received his uh, mortal wound. Now, this developed into Nimrod's kingdom. You remember Babel, and you all aware of this. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm going to say that. And his tower that he built uh, was to reveal or manifest the heavens. It really points to the system of astrology that came out of that, uh, which really is so... Uh, prophetic, shall I say, of all that God was going to do. Maseroth, addressed by Job, you remember. That's the signs of the zodiac, and it's prophetic of everything that God does, from Aries the ram all the way around again. <coughs> I'm sorry, the Taurus, the bull, the second coming, but it's been perverted into a fortune-telling system. I'm sorry. I'm starting to talk fast again. I don't know if that means I'm getting my breath back or not, but I just get rushed. So, out of Nimrod came Semiramis. She's not mentioned in Scripture, but she is historically who is to have given birth to a virgin son, which he named Tammuz. But Tammuz does show up in Scripture. Allow me, please. Uh, Ezekiel, 
Oh, by the way, this is a counterfeit Madonna and Child, this Simiramis and Tamas. If you want to research that more, you can read. Uh, uh, thank you, Alexander Hislop's The Two Bad Ones. It's heavy reading, but it's very informative. Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again. Now what God's doing here is showing Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, the abominations, he did the same thing with Jeremiah, the abominations that are taking place in Israel when they for, so totally forsook the Lord, this is what happens. When you move God out, Satan comes in. That's what's happened in so many institutions in this country. God was moved out. Satan came in. What's going on in our schools? I can't understand why we're having all of this. Well, I can tell you what's happened. They threw God out. And when they threw God out, they invited Satan in. I'm sorry. I'll read on. Uh, verse 14. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. I'll jump to Ezekiel eleven twenty one. But as for them whose hearts walketh after the heart of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, saith the Lord. So, uh, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Yeah, they've just asked for it. So, uh, sadly, Jerusalem fell into a total moral decay. Now, I'm trying to get on with this, really. And so I'm rushing. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse uh, 48. As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom your sister. He's talking about Judah. Sodom your sister hath not done. Uh, I, I, uh, I skipped part of the verse. I'm sorry. Anyhow, he, she hadn't done what you've done, nor have her daughters as thou hast done. Thou and thy daughters, behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, talking to Ephraim. Pride, get this, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. Now, does that describe this country? It does to me, anyway. It was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Now, one of the grand characteristics of this country is it's always been generous to people who were in need. I mean, not just this country, but other countries as well. As a matter of fact, years ago, there was a Canadian head uh, uh, of talk show. He was a... Um, what do you call those guys? And they wrote editorials. And he wrote an editorial about the generosity of the United States. And he was pointing out that any time a disaster occurred in the world, the United States was there. 
first off, to help anybody. But our selfishness will cause us from to withdraw from that. I got to get on. So, uh, read Revelation eight eleven or eleven eight. Got to read that. And there, now they talk about the two witnesses in Revelation eleven. You remember that? I'm sure. You know, I had a guy say to me one time, Keith. You know, when you say you remember, I didn't. Well, I know you don't remember. Oh, so uh, read 11.8. And there, that is, these two witnesses, their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom, Jerusalem. Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. That made plain where it was. So the next verses in, in Revelation chapter 17, 18 through 14. This whole political system is brought down, brought to his death when uh, these uh, ten, these seven kings hate the whore and destroy her and burn her with fire. Uh, the, the third portion of this chapter 17, which I'm not going to read, reveals the destruction of this matriarchal worship and the final desire of Satan which is personal worship. That's Revelation 17, 9 and following, if you want to pursue that. So this beast that destroys that system, uh, he has a resurrection experience. The scripture says that he is from the seven, but he's the eighth. Uh, the seventh one dies, and the eighth comes out of that. And that passage, of course, goes on. You can pursue that if you wouldn't. So this counterfeit Christ now is going to prevail for 40, 42 months, and the saints are going to be put in his hands. Now, some people will read the church into that, and I want to assure you that ain't so. The church is translated. These are the saints out of the tribulation, and there will be a multitude of people redeemed out of the tribulation. Uh, you can note that at the ceiling of the 144,000, which is Israel, not somebody else. It is Israel. And then he goes on to say, And then I looked, behold, a great multitude, which no man could number out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, the redeemed out of the tribulation. Okay, I'm getting on. So here's that multitude that's really going to be put in the hands of that beast on the throne and they're going to experience great suffering, but out of it, God delivers them all. You can either die physically and go to be with the Lord, or you can be taken out by the Lord, which he's going to do with that multitude. I won't get into that right now. We'll get to it when we get to it. So, uh, so ends the, the mystery. Now it's a manifestation. Now everybody sees what it is, the sad thing is they embrace it. They love it. This is what they wanted. 
Okay, now, if you'll allow me, I'll go to the Church of Sardis, okay? <laughs> Which is where I needed to be, but I couldn't get there before. All right, now I'm going to read the text. So, Sardis chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 3, 1 and following. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you live or are alive and are dead. Now you know, notice God doesn't have anything good to say about this church. He says they're dead. Did you ever notice something about death? Uh, in the wintertime, uh, weeds don't grow, flowers don't grow, because everything's dead. And this church is in the wintertime. Nothing's growing. Uh, I'm going to say this while I'm here, I'll get there. It also isn't persecuted. You know that? Why would you want to persecute it? I mean, it was comfortable in the world. It was doing everything the world was doing. It was dead. I remember the days when, if you'll forgive this personal comment, we were the church across the river. At that time, we were the only church across the river. There are several of them out here now, but, but we were the church. That was not a geographical notation. The, the church across the river wasn't being defined for its uh, prominence or for its greatness or for its uh, value to the community. Uh, away from that. Shut up, lamb. So you have a name that you live and are dead. So nobody's persecuting a dead person. You, can't, you can insult a dead person and he doesn't respond. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Now, this church is a kind of prophetically looking at a holdover remnant, shall I say, of the church of Thyatira. And that's still a remnant in this church. And, and uh, you can read uh, the... Uh, travelogue, if you would, about the city of uh, Sardis, and it was a horrible place, and there was a goddess, I think she was called Celebi, something like that, I'm not sure I can pronounce it, but anyhow, the most monstrous uh, acts of worship and immorality were committed in worship to this uh, Madonna. They just show up here. She's just a reproduction of Jezebel which is a reproduction of the harlot woman, which is a reproduction of the mystery of iniquity. I mean, it just all kind of grows and develops. It's, I, well, I'm old. The illustration. Uh, so God says you got some things left there that, that are ready to die. Now, you remember, you get prophetically, you have to think about this church as the church of the Reformation. And so you've got these few 
that are getting the truth of the word of God out of this church. I've got to be careful where I'm going here. I, I'm going to finish reading. Got to finish reading. So remember, therefore, how you have received. Go back and get the truth and heard and hold fast and watch and I'm sorry, and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch. Now, I want you to catch this. There are a lot in this church are going to be treated just like the world. Blind to what God is doing. If you will not watch, I will come upon you like a thief. Isn't that what Jesus is going to do with the world? So he's saying, now these are his people. But he's going to come on them. There are a whole bunch of people in the body of Christ that are not looking for the return of the Lord. As a matter of fact, some I've talked to don't even believe he's going to. He'll never come back, one said to me. To this earth. Oh boy, what a surprise, huh? The uh, attitude then of the Lord, if you would, toward these, he said, I'm going to treat you like the world. I'm going to come on you like a thief, and you won't know when I'm coming. I so rejoice in the saints where they say, any day now, any day now. There's a song, I think, like that, isn't there? A song, yeah, I think. Any day now. Yes, I won't sing it, but I can't sing it anyway. So, um, I will come upon you as a thief. I'm still trying to read verse 3. And you will not know what hour I come upon you. But he's going he's gonna to come. But boy, ooh, what a surprise. Oh. You have a few names, even in Sardis. Even in Sardis. Who have not defiled them, their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. For they are worthy. Those are the ones that are looking for his coming. You know, there's kind of a progression you see through the scripture. There are those that wait for his coming. You have that in Corinthians. Those who look for his coming in Ephesians. And then those who love his appearing. Love his appearing. And they're going to walk with him in white. Verse 5, he that overcomes shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. Now, this may be lambology, but a little suggestion here that maybe he won't confess his name before the angels for this other outfit. Maybe not. Maybe they'll get there, but they don't get that. That's something to think about. Do you understand what I just said? didn't make any sense, did it? That's all right. The old professor said chew on it. So for this group that uh, have not known this depravity, that occurred in that church, he said, I'm going to confess your name before my father and before his angels. And that's a promise he gives several places in the scripture, of course. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's talking to a body of believers. 
and they were in a mess. Now, I'm going to go on with this, try to get through it. Uh, and yet this promise that this uh, verse, back to verse uh, 1, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Isn't that an interesting expression? The seven spirits of God. Let me read it. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. The seven spirits of God. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Watch The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And I would suggest to you that that threefold division, the spirit of, is acknowledging the trinity of the Godhead. So this church that does not get persecuted because there is no reason for the world to fear them, it's no threat to the world, Revelation 3 and verse 3, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Look, you got the gospel. You have heard the truth. Embrace what you heard. Remember what you heard. You know, when I, I read that word, remember. I always think of the rich man in Hades. You, you remember uh, what... Uh, he called over to Abraham, Abraham, come and dip your finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormenting these flames. And he said, son, remember? <laughs> you can have a, they're going to have a memory in hell. Remember all the, that's why they're there. Actually, they're there because they rejected Christ. That's the thing. i got to say this, parenthesis. There is one reason that a person goes to hell, only one, because he had not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the only reason anybody goes to hell. If they went for any other reason, all of us would be in trouble. So God's going to some, treat some of these believers the way he treats the world. And others are going to be uh, anticipating his coming. Not shocked at it, if you would. So Revelation 3, 4 again. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And he'll not blot your name out. Now, one of the great truths that was restored in the Reformation was the security of the believer. That he was safe in Christ. If he was brought into Christ, he couldn't get out of Christ. You didn't bring yourself into Christ in the first place, so how are you going to get out? As one old brother said, are you tired of it? He will not blot your name. And I know some have picked up on that text and say, how about that verse over there? It says he'll blot your name out. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say he'll blot your name. It says he will not blot your name out. Now this is group, this remnant here. God always has remnant. 
uh, of the reformers. Let me just run through. You read after these guys. Whitliffe. Wy I'm sorry, Whitliffe. Wycliffe. He come out of England uh, in the mid-1300s. Huss. Uh, he came out about mm, 1375, something like that. Luther, Zwingli, von Stoffitz, Calvin, all these others who resisted and who wrote primarily against the Roman church. The Reformation was focused on writing against the Roman church. Even Voltaire, who didn't believe Paul either, but he wrote this. Voltaire was a bitter enemy of the Roman Catholic Church, and he called, called on men to crush the infamous one. So he, like many others in his time, was a deist. That is, God started this whole thing, but he's kind of walked off and letting it run down like an alarm clock. So some vestiges of the truth remain in this church in Sardis. Again, you have that in verse 4. So Revelation 3, 5, he that overcomes, God always has his overcomers. Pardon me. He always has this remnant. I know I labor that point by until he always has a remnant. I don't care who it is, where they are, whatever, he has a remnant. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So 3.5, he that overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And you understand the scripture says that white raiment is the righteousnesses of the saints. It's talking about what you do. That's the reward that you get. You just you stand in his righteousness and perfection, but righteousness comes out of you for that reason. It's birthed in you by the Spirit of God. So you'll be clothed in white raiment. It will not blot his name out of the book of life, but will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. Now that with this, I'm going to close. This is going to come out even. I tried to rush through. How do we overcome? I mean, you just got to work harder. That's all there is to it. Uh, I was in a few Mormon, Mormon funeral one time, and they said, you just got to work so that you'll uh, uh, be uh, uh, approved. What's the word? In that day, what? Accepted anyhow in that day. That's not the word I want. Uh, in any case, you got to work so you can, in that day, be approved before God. And, and he'll then invite you in because you managed to put it all together. I never met anyone like that, have you? I mean, not even me. I haven't met me there. So who is he that overcomes? 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? That's how you overcome. Jesus is the Son of God. Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's passive. 
That's what God did for you. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and then by the word of your testimony. That's active. That's what you do. And they love not their lives unto death. I'm telling you, I got, uh, did I already say this? I got this article from the voice of the martyr and some of the, India, uh, we've got an article floating around that you all need to read. That paper is available. It's on the back. Read it. These Muslims, that are, they're just butchering people in the name of Islam. Wow. Well, India is doing the same thing, and this article said they want to turn the, change the name of India into Hindustan. That stand means home. You see that in all these Arab countries, so many means home. And they want to change the name to Hindustan. And Christians are not welcome there. And the Christians in that country, uh, native Christians, not just missionaries and white guys, but the people, India themselves, that are Christians, suffering terribly. One last verse. Romans 8, 37. <laughs> Love it. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors who live that, who, through him that loved us. Kind of reminds me of D.L. Moody when he was dying. This is the report that's given. They're carrying him out, taking him to the hospital. He knew he was going to die. And he said, bless God, this is my coronation day. Okay, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the promise we have in your son, for his promise that he will come again. Gather us to himself so that where he is, we may be also. Thank you, our Father. We don't understand it. We embrace it. We look forward to it. And give you praise and thanksgiving for the blood of the everlasting covenant. Amen. God bless you all. God bless.